So a few weeks ago, I was, I was at a tire store on 26th Street. It was rather crowded because of you know, how eerie it is. Just when it looks like it's actually going to snow, everybody gets their snow tires on. And, I have, and I'm getting tires for Pam's car that there are not snow tires. Ha, 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 And so I, I worked my way up to the front, and I'm standing at the counter, and I start talking and telling him what I want. I turn around, and I, I, I turn right into this, this guy that's got to be like in his 60s and, and very young in his 60s and, and very, very um, extrovertish, gregarious. He said, hey. I said, well, hi. And it's, it's really morning, so I don't know what he's doing. And he said, hey, I thought it was you. He said, and then, then when I heard you talk, I, I know it was you. And you know, the last time I saw you, you were on TV and you had dark hair. <laughs> Under my breath, I said, shut up, and I walked out. <laughs> A lot has changed in about 21 years. Ad adapting from a West Coast culture to an eerie culture was an adventure. Uh, the first week we arrived, we finished the purchase of a home, and we were at our attorney's office and walked out with our, with our real estate agent, and she was wonderful, and she was great, and walked us through the process, and it was really good. And, and so Pam was excited about moving into this house, and she turned to our agent and said, that is so great. She said, let's, let's, go, let's go get a latte and celebrate. Now, understand, this is before Starbucks ever, ever, ever got into Erie. And so Pam said, Let, let's, let's go get a latte and celebrate. And she turned to us and she said, latte? Lady, this is not latte country. This is beer and bowling. <laughs> and I looked at Pam like, what did we get ourselves into? Because I'm not very good at either one of those things. So we learned Erie. We learned about lake effect. Oh, God, lake effect. <laughs> and we learned that so many of you, especially you people that have been here all your life, and most of you have been, you're, you're like Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump on the shrimp boat in a hurricane. Well, Lieutenant Dan on, to, uh, on the top of the mast, strapped in, yelling, you call this a storm? And you people drive me crazy. We get snow and you go, you call this a storm? And Lieutenant Dan says after that, it's time for a showdown. I just want to give you some wisdom. Don't do that anymore because God is the one who holds all the storehouses of snow. You don't want him to do a showdown with you. <laughs> we learned that... Well, actually, I learned the hard way. And, and Kevin, you were here when this happened. I learned that no matter how hard it snows on Christmas Eve, never cancel a service. Some of you are still mad at me. <laughs> and I stayed in my home and poor Kevin had to come out here in about 12 feet of snow and tell people we weren't having a storm. I mean, we weren't having a, a, a service and you caught it all. And, and Marie Detter, you're here today, and, and Marie and Al were, were the lead pastors there at, at, at Grace at the time, and Al called me later and said, thank you, all your people came over to our church. 
So we learned Erie. We learned that when you think winter is done, it's not. And we learned that if summer does arrive, you go outside, you enjoy it, you run the Asbury Trail, you, you walk at Presque Isle, you eat ice cream at Sarah's, you go up uh, to the White Turkey, and you enjoy it. We learned that Erie has the best sunsets in the world. But most of all, Pam and I learned fall in love with a city, with a region, and with a community of faith. Erie first and the Reisners had to get used to each other when we first arrived. A few months after our arrival, I received a letter from a lady who I know what she's trying to do. She's trying to say, you can be your own person. You don't need to be like Jeff Braun or the person before you. And so I read this letter to the congregation that first year because this is, in essence, what it said. She said... You don't have to be like your predecessor. And she said a few things. Then she said, you know, Jeff was handsome and a good communicator, and you're nothing like him. <laughs> and at one point in that first year, I had to track down a rumor because the rumor came out, and you don't want this kind of rumor going around in this church and in this city. And the rumor was this that I hated Italians. So I tracked it back, and now you're not going to believe this, but this is exactly how it happened. In one of my sermons, I said, I hate tomatoes. <laughs> now somebody went from, I hate tomatoes, to if he hates tomatoes, then he must hate spaghetti sauce. Which, by the way, I love spaghetti sauce, because between tomato to tomato, or from tomato to, to spaghetti sauce, it's like Jesus turning water into wine. There's just a thing that happens there, and it, and it just tastes different. And if somebody went from, he must hate spaghetti sauce. If he hates spaghetti sauce, he must hate Italian food. And if he hates Italian food, he hates Italians. And so I had to stand before the congregation and say, I love you. Now invite me to your house for dinner. So in these years as we have gotten adjusted to each other, you've, you've invited our family to be part of who you are. You watched our kids grow. You, you, you watched one of our sons go through a seven-year rebellion and miraculously return. You celebrated our family marriages. You let us brag over our highly intelligent, absolutely gorgeous grandsons. You've watched the growth of our marriage. And you have a full understanding now how undeserving I am of the woman who loves me. And most importantly, you have, you have discovered my intense passion for Mexican food. <laughs> In fact, you are so in sync with that that when Don Pablo's left this community with just 24 hours notice and disappeared from my life, I kid you not, I received cards from you that said, sorry for your loss. <laughs> but what we will miss most about Erie is you. Kevin mentioned it earlier, upon our arrival, I began to declare to you that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the right relationships. And then we began a journey of proving it so, and I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. 
You can take the church at any stage in its, in its life from the first century till now and slice it open and you will find that it is difficult to have right relationships. It just is. I remember when I first arrived here, we, we took the staff out and we, we began to, to sit, get a vision for what the future would be and we projected out 10 years and, and every year after that, we'd project out, we'd project out and, and sometimes those visions happened and, and we said, wow, that's great and sometimes they, they, got, they got detoured and sometimes they, they got delayed and sometimes they just got decommissioned. And, and in my head... To be honest with you, I've always had a picture of what the church would look like when God would finally say to us, at, at, at the proper time, he'd say, it's time for you to move to a new assignment. I had this picture in my head. And to be honest with you, sometimes God allows us, in my situation or your situation, sometimes he allows us to have a little bit of pain of not finishing the last chapter. It's not our privilege to finish the last chapter because the book gets closed. But in all of that, God says what matters the most is not your vision, and it's not your programs. It is simply, did you make the kingdom of God the kingdom of right relationships? And sometimes God has a way of removing all those things in which we find our identity so that you don't take the place of loving God and loving our neighbors. But I found so many people who get it in this congregation, and they were just, they had an impact in our lives. I remember that, that at one point in our time here, we, we had to, to see one of our staff people go. And, and there was this lady in the church who, who's very, very tightly knit with the person leaving. And, and so she gave me a call, and I knew, oh, I'm in trouble. I am so in trouble because of what we've done. And this is what she did, and it just blew me away. She called me, and she said, now, tell me why this decision was made so that I can continue to walk with you in the way that God is leading us. And so I went through it and she said, I'm not sure I understand everything, but I'm still with you. And she went with us. One of my favorite people, I gotta tell you, and I have a lot of favorite people, so if I don't mention you, you're still my favorite person. <laughs> One of my favorite pe people in this church was Frank Pistone. And I just love Frank, because first of all, Frank was, was just deeply rooted in the traditions of the church, but yet had this understanding that the church could not always remain the same, and Jesus called it that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. And so I went to Frank, and I said, Frank, we're trying this new thing, and, and, and I want your opinion on this thing, and, and, and here's what we're going to do. And he said, I, I, think, I think that could probably work. And I said, so I need you to tell the congregation you think it'll work. So Frank got up on the platform behind the pulpit, and he said, he said, so, you know, you got this thing, and Pastor Jasper's going to do this, and we're going to, you know, the church is going to go through this thing. And, and he said, he said, and I just want you to let you know that I am not 100% for this. And I went, oh, I'm going home and pack right now. <laughs> and then he said, I want you to know that I'm 110% behind this. And I said to myself, I want to be like Frank Pistone when I grow up. Pam and I walked with an amazing lady who went through 13 years of fighting cancer. 
Tony was an amazing lady. She'd walk up here, and she'd come here and show up with Susan. Susan, I saw you here this morning, and you, you're an amazing woman. You're, you're one of the people I'm talking about this morning who understands right relationships and, and walking journeys together. And you walked, with, you walked with Tony through all of those four types of different cancer 13 years. And, and, and Tony was amazing because she would, go, she would go to school and still teach those kids. She loved those kids. And she got that golden apple of ward, and she should have gotten it for being the teacher of the nation. She was amazing. And, and she, she would fight cancer. She would, she would text me every time she'd go in for a treatment and just say, I'm going in. And, and we'd, we'd, we'd harangue each other back and forth because she always harassed me because I wasn't a Yankees fan. And I told her there would be no Yankees in heaven, so she needs to change that. <laughs> Sorry, Joy, wherever you are. I know you're, there you are. But... She was an amazing woman who cared for people. And I, never, and I watched her never lose her faith. And I remember those last hours, she was at, at her place, and Susan was there, and family was there. And, and I said, what do you think? She says, I think, I'm, I think I'm leaving this earth. And I said, are you ready? She said, yeah, I'm ready, but, but I want to make sure that I've, everybody else is Okay. I want to make sure that everything I need to do for everybody else is done. I said, I, you're, you're good. I said, I, are you worried about what's going to happen next when you leave this? Or she said, yeah, I'm not sure what. So we talked about what probably that would be like. I said, I, I, Tony, you got to be honest. I've, I've never really died. <laughs> but here's what I think. And she said, I'm ready. I can do this. And that evening... She went to be with Jesus. I've met people throughout the years in this community and people in this auditorium that have encouraged me to understand that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, and those right relationships are made to journey together. And it's vital that we do that because that's what the church is. I have learned that the best ministries are organic. By that I mean that you don't go get somebody's program and stick it in a church, but you see what God is doing here and you let it grow and you try to stay out of the way and you try to nurture it. I've also learned that the best leaders are homegrown. So I'm telling you, on my final Sunday, I'm leaving you with an organic vision that we created in this last year. And that is that we've got to build strong families. I'm also leaving you with a homegrown staff. Pastor John and Pastor Don are not from this area, and they've come and they've become part of this family for a lot of years. The remainder of this staff, you have, you have helped us grow them up. So I want you to know that I'm leaving you with this, this homegrown staff that, that I admire. I, I, when I think about that, I think of, uh, I think of Tony Campalo, a sociologist and a, and, a, and a follower of Jesus, whose family grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia, and these white folks went to a black church. And he was telling the story that the time had come when the pastor that had been their pastor there for years was leaving. And so they all got together and said, he's such a great pastor, and they said to the group, going to go find them a new pastor, they said... Find us another great pastor. They said, oh, we're going to find you a great pastor. And he said, then they showed up with a young, inexperienced pastor. They said, we thought you were going to find us a great pastor. And those men, those leaders said, oh, no, we're going to make him a great pastor. 
So I want to say to you, I'm leaving you with some really good leaders. But it's going to be up to you to make them great. You just, you just don't go out and find somebody great. A community has to make them great. And you do that by encouraging them. Unless you walk in the path of a shepherd, and please understand when I say this, I say this with all humility, you do not understand the weight that you carry in the spiritual world. It is just intense, and you're under fire all the time. I can tell you that there are moments that I have spiritual dreams for this congregation, and Pam, Pam will lay there in bed as I'm crying out in my dreams praying in the spirit and rebuking the evil one that wants to attack you and she will just lay her hands on me and she'll pray as I'm crying out and I'll say did you even hear anything she said I just heard you yell Jesus and the rest of the stuff I couldn't understand and and she said I'm glad I don't understand and and I want to tell you that your leaders that have have decided that God is calling them to walk this path for you are under that burden in, a, in addition to just carrying the load that you have when you have pain and you're, you're having family issues and they're dealing with you and praying with you. They just don't check that at the door. They carry that with them. And there's, an, and, and if you've, there's nothing like standing before you this morning knowing that on any, any given Sunday that half of you will like what I've done and half won't. And maybe even worse, three-fourths of you, sometimes even Pam. And so you deal with that all the time. And the greatest thing that you can do for your pastors, your leaders, is encourage them. That when you think about them, drop them a card and just say, you know, the other day when you said this thing, it just, it just really made an impact for me. Or I was praying for you today. Or when you're sitting at Panera and you've eaten your food, get a $25 card and just send it to them. I'm not kidding you. It makes a difference. When it's their birthday or their anniversary, take note of that, I can tell you what an encouragement it is because you feel like, yeah, people are with us. Secondly, give them room to make mistakes. They're not perfect. And if you've been here long enough, you know that we're not perfect. And if you think that you're coming to a perfect church, don't you come here because you'll ruin it. Yeah, it's not perfect. I want to also encourage you to allow them to lead you into places that maybe is not you, it may, may not be your favorite, may not be your preference. Do you think it's possible to please everybody in this room all at the same time? Not going to happen. So what you need to do is go to those leaders and say, I'm not sure I fully understand, but what can I do to help you? Because I believe that the way the church moves is not that we have the absolute perfect way to get to a spot, it's that we all go there together and Jesus says, that's great, I'll make it happen. That's why Jesus prayed the prayer, Lord, make them one as we are one and then the world will know. So I've worked alongside some amazing people these last 21 years who have encouraged me. Some have vacuumed carpets at 6 a.m. in the morning and some have sat at midnight with hurting families at St. Vincent's. Some have prepared my manuscripts and my notes, and others have prayed for my manuscripts and my notes. Some have invited us into their family, while others have, have helped us become a stronger family. And we're going to miss you. Now, I do have some regrets. And regrets are not bad, because regrets simply say that everything is not perfect, and so things, some things need to be changed. 
And so I'm going to talk to you boldly now because I love you deeply. And Erie First is, is like a lot of other places in the nation. And I haven't been able to get us beyond this, and, and so I have regrets that I wasn't able to. But, but here's the deal. That when changes happen, when things are different, we have this, this, this tendency to, to become discontented and we talk amongst ourselves. That we don't go to the source of fixing it. And so, it, if I could, could run it this way, if I came to you and I said, and you came to me and you said, my car's having transmission problems, and I don't know what to do, and, and, and you start telling me how rotten Ford is because your transmission is just not working, and I sit there with you and go, I believe it because Ford is really a bad place, and I just don't like Ford, and, you know, and we talk back and forth because neither of us can fix the transmission. And I finally, I say to you, you got a warranty? Yeah, I got a warranty. What are we doing talking? Let's go to the place that can fix it. Let's go to the person who can has a warranty. We go to the dealer and say the transmission won't work. He says, I got people that can fix that because I got a warranty. Now listen to me. There'll be times that the church is broken. And the church has a warranty. Jesus said, I will build my church. So you go to Jesus and you say, the church is broken. How do we fix this? And he says, well, I got people that can fix it. And the people who fix it are the people who believe that the kingdom of God are the kingdom of right relationships. We had people that have left us in the past and gone to other places because they weren't happy, and I am distressed every time. And, and, and they'll say, did they come talk to you? I say, no, and then someone will go to them and say, did, did somebody, did you go talk to the leaders? Did you talk to the pastor? No, why not? Well, because I heard that, that it won't do any good. Well, who told you that? Some other people, but did you go? No, I just heard that it wouldn't do any good. So I want to tell you again that this is, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, not convenient rumor. So I want, I want to talk to you. It's time to buck up and be mature. You're about ready to go through a transition. In fact, you are going through a transition right now, and that word transition means to go across. And Erie has a problem because it doesn't like change. We don't like change here. Go through the history. Erie hates change. If you don't, come talk to Cindy Maddox. She's done the research, and Erie is stinky when it comes to change. We just don't like it. And then when it changes, we go, oh, I don't like it. Well, then go to the source. But understand that if God's going to transition us, he's going to take us across to something wonderful. And we can't go across to our next joy in life if we refuse to change the ending. But I wanted that ending. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get the ending. Because God has something better. So the ending is changing for you, it's changing for, for Pam, it's changing for me. It's not what we expected, but this I know. That for several, several, several months, God has been pounding into Pam and me these two passages of Scripture. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And this I declare about the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety, he is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his, his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I'll reward them with a long life. And that wording actually means, I will make sure that everything that you were destined to accomplish, you do. 
and give them my salvation. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So about two weeks into our transition, because I love you deeply and because I still have a shepherd's heart and I see the transition and I see things and I, and, and, and I want to be involved and I, I, want to, I want to fix stuff and you're still hurting in places and you still have problems at home and I want to go fix those things. I awakened one morning and for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through a Disney movie. And the Holy Spirit clearly said to me, as best I've ever heard God speak, let it go. <laughs> I wanted to hear angels sing it, but that didn't happen. <laughs> let it go. Because if you don't let it go, you can't go across. And then we wouldn't be able to allow God to write the new ending. As followers of Jesus, we have given him the right to always write a different ending, a new ending. And a new ending always begins with a new beginning. So in the moments that are going to come, and they will come to you in these next months, as you're determining what direction you're going to go, you're going to be, have some consternation, and, and you're going to have some, some, some confusion. In those moments... It is not healthy for you to just stand there and talk to each other and just say, what's the deal? And why are they doing this? And why is this happening? Go to your leaders. I implore you, go to them and say, why? What are you doing? So that we can walk with you. And if you don't agree, then sit down together and do as the New Testament church did as they were confused as to what to do. And they came together in Jerusalem and they met together and they listened and they talked and they prayed and they fasted. And then they said, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit and the church moved on. Come to each other. Come to your pastors. Come to your directors. Come to your board and say, I'm not sure why is this happening. Don't go wandering off someplace else because it's not going to do you any good because you'll do the same pattern someplace else. This is community. This is family. Not once did my kids come to us and say, we don't like what you're doing, so we're going to move to the Mattis house. I'd have sent them. <laughs> they didn't do that. Because we're family. Oh, we might have had some adjustments. We might have had some discipline. We might have had some, some really intense moments. But we're family. This is community. This is family. You sit down with your leaders and you say, why are we doing this? Where are we going? Let's pray together. Let's fast together until we all hear God's voice and then move. Most churches have their issues because they won't fast and pray together. So I'm telling you, you got to do it now because trans transitions like this, pastoral changes, lead pastor changes are tough on a church. Because for some of you, I am your spiritual father. Because we just grew up together in this process. And nobody else will take my place. We had a lady years ago who came to me and said, Pastor Albanese is my spiritual father. Jeff Bronner won't be, and you won't be. And now I'm going to go find another church. And I said, you'll never be happy. Because Pastor Albanese will always be your spiritual father. And the rest of us are going to try to help but live out what he taught you. So if there's anything that you will do, if I'm your spiritual father, do this. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships. 
The only way to live out the kingdom of God, being the kingdom of right relationships, is to let it go. Because if we don't allow a new beginning, we'll be tied to an old ending, and we're back to the old wineskins. And let me tell you, if you try to take this vision and put it in an old structure, what will happen is the structure will burst as an old wineskin will burst, and, and that structure will crumble, and that new vision will become ruined. So walk together to where God is taking you next. And for some of you, now this is going to be tough for some of you, so hang on. See, the great thing is, is, as you're a pastor, sometimes you say, you write something down after a frustrating time and you say, can't wait till I leave, I'm going to tell them this. <laughs> but this isn't one of them, so there. Um, some of you, this is going to be tough for your theology, so I want to encourage you that you dig deep in Scripture, and, and in just a moment, we're going to give you a link that you can go to on our website and pull down some, some really great articles on this, but, but here's the deal. Sometimes letting go of a previous structure also includes a previous belief. It includes a, a previous understanding of gender. Now, hang on with me. Some of you have believed, because you've been in the church a long time, that the scripture, that, and there's one Pauline passage, one from Paul the Apostle, that says that women should not teach men in the church. And so you've always believed that women should not be in leadership. And in fact, you've had to wrestle with Nicole being here. You've had to wrestle with the fact that she's the lead pastor right now. And one of the problems you're going to have is, where does that end? Can they only teach women, or can they, can they lead worship? Can they be an usher? Can they, you, you can't find that in Scripture. And so I want to give you a link. Jason, do we have that link? Just, just go to eriefirst.org, women in ministry, and look that up and, and study it and go to the Scriptures, because here's the deal. I will tell you what I believe after I've researched this and studied it, I truly believe that every position, every spiritual gifting, every anointing that is for a man is also for a woman in the church. It is. So I'm going to tell you, trust your interim pastor. I have watched Nicole lead for years, and especially the last three months and two of those months, she came here and she said, I'll just work for free. And I'm going to tell you this, that in the last month and a half, I have submitted to her leadership because she is the lead pastor. I would serve on her staff. I would join a church she pastors. I want to tell you, follow her as your current lead pastor because it's time to write a new ending. So I have some friends who are going to come up and join me. Come on up. And if you have to be gone by 11.30, let it burn. <laughs> Gather around, around me and Nicole, you've got a microphone. Kevin, come on over by me. So what I want to do is it's just, it's just going to be really quick, and I told these folks that they're just going to have to do the headline rendition of what I want them to do. But I want to just show you throughout the years, the last 20, 21 years, what happens when the kingdom of God is a kingdom of right relationships and how it changes the ending. And so Kevin came and joined us, and, and he already told you that he came as a broken man, and the right relationships began a healing process. So I want you, Kevin, to... I'm laughing because Kevin has never done anything briefly. <laughs> 
So if I go along, blame it on this guy, and he can go back to Wisconsin, almost Wisconsin, to, to Michigan, and no one's going to care. That'd be great. So <laughs> I, I want him to just tell you how it impacted him as God began to change him by right relationship, and then what happened to a high school when they began to have right relationships. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, as I, I mentioned, uh, I struggled when I got here, and um, Pastor was very patient with me. Um, I don't know if you still do this, but um, you had an accountability form that we used to have to fill out. It was green. I don't like green anymore. <laughs> and um, I got here, and I didn't fill it out the first week, and I didn't fill it out the second week, and I didn't fill it out the third and the fourth week. And one day in staff meeting, he looked at me and just so gently, he said, you know you are going to fill that out, right? I came to love that. So God began to do something. I want to tell you two brief conversations. One was a conversation between me and God, and the other between myself and a few young ladies. The first one was, I prayed that the Lord would help me identify the most influential young person in this church. That was my exact prayer. And I just set out to hear the Lord's voice. The Lord laid that person on my heart. And I began to pray for that person. And I said, God, give me that young person. Give them to me. I said, in my hip pocket. And one year I had a, a, an intern during the school day. And it was this person. And we were going to go have lunch, and I got out of my desk, and immediately that person went and got my coat and, and put my coat on me. And I realized that God had answered my prayer. And my prayer had two parts. The second part was, and for the ministry for your kingdom. And that person was Joel Schreiber. And God answered that prayer fully. The other conversation was in the dark, outside, at a home of a family in the church, and there were students running all over the place. And several young ladies uh, approached me, and they said, we want to see kids in our school come to know Jesus. How can we do that? I said, have you ever thought about fasting and praying? They said, no, what is fasting? And I began to tell them, it's going without food. <laughs> and they said, why is that a good idea? <laughs> and... They began to fast and pray together. And that fall, there were almost 70 students from their school that came to our youth group. On one night, 52 of them came at the same time. And it just began to change the dynamic of what was happening. One night, we had an altar call and a skinny tall young man came down in the chapel, the middle aisle, and knelt at the altar and gave his life to Jesus. You're going to hear more about that young man from some other people. But those young ladies, when I left this place, they gave me a picture. It's a picture of their feet because this is what they saw when they gathered in prayer together, they would see their feet. And they gave this to me as a reminder 
these girls are serving the Lord. These girls, some of them are in ministry on your staff here at Erie First. And God has blessed this ministry, this church. And it came because our pastor took a chance on me and invested and poured into my life, and that went to other people. Thanks, Kevin. Joe. So can you just, in a, in, a, in a couple sentences, tell us what happened at Seneca? And, and tell us the, the, the first name of the, the skinny kid he was talking about. And what happened to that kid? Yeah, so as Pastor Kevin said, I mean, we had an incredible year at Seneca that year. Um, and uh, Pastor Kevin, um, he is so gracious to make everyone else the hero of the story. And um, we felt like we, uh, we could do it because you believed in us. And um, it, uh, it wasn't our doing. We just saw God doing a lot of amazing things. So, so one of the logistic, logistical things with that many kids coming was just, you know, everyone doesn't drive, everyone doesn't have vehicles. We just had to arrange rides and stuff to get everyone here. And it was an amazing year. We saw God do a, a lot of amazing things. And, and that one kid was, uh, was Preston. And uh, Preston was this spunky little athlete that, man, he, he was a, um, just a little spitfire. And, and when God got a hold of his heart, I mean, he was like the Tans Tasmanian devil. I mean, just running around like crazy. And um, we saw him just continue to uh, spread God's love and um, spread truth. And his passion was just so contagious. Where, where, where did Preston end up? So Preston ended up uh, up in uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin. He is now a lead pastor up there. And what happened? Continu where was he before that? Well, he went up with Pastor Kevin for oh. several years. So Ke Kevin took him up there and then uh, went so, on to a lead pastor. So what happened when, when Preston got changed and he went home? What happened to his family? That's a good question. Oh, let's ask oh, him. Oh, yeah, here. let's ask. So Preston's name is, is Preston Tippin. And what happened when he came home? And what, how did it change you? And, I, and again, I'm going to keep you to short words. So. Well, one day Preston came home from school and, and told us that he wanted to go to youth group. Because Joel told him there was girls and food. <laughs> so he went, he went to youth group. <laughs> he went to youth group. And then he started praying on Tuesdays at, at the Newbers. And we just saw this change in him that we, couldn't, we didn't understand. But we knew it was good. And we wanted a part of that. So we jumped in and, and served the youth. And we've been serving them for the last 17 years. And our whole family has become to know the Lord. And all our kids are married. And their families have become to know the Lord. All because of our son who brought us to, to see Jesus. So that's what we try to give back to the youth as well. That, that they have that same power to bring their parents if, if they don't know Jesus. Okay, so I want to pause here. And I just want you to see the connecting points. Right relationships, new endings for everybody. And then you guys have been impacting youth. And we had a, a young person that we wanted to speak this morning, and she's rather shy to get out in front of people. So you have her story real quick you want to read. Yes. Um, Amelia, Amelia Long uh, was a little shy. But this is what she wrote about youth. And she said, youth group is important to me because it is a break from life. 
At home and school, there are things to worry about, but not at youth group. There is freedom to be with your friends, to worship on your own, and to be an example to the younger students. It's a place of our own, and we get to make it what we want it to be. That's great. See the impact? Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, so. So, so Kevin, come back here real quick. Kevin, come back here. So, so Kevin... So Kevin and Tim Brown, who was on staff with us, started this thing called Master's Commission, which is the discipleship process for those who are out of high school and maybe out of college or going to go to college, but it's a discipleship process. And so the first year you began, again, developing these relationships, and, and there was four of them that came in to be discipled. One of them was a girl named uh, Tara Maloney. Whatever happened to her? Well... Whatever happened to her, I think she got married to a really big guy. Yeah. Who doesn't hug you enough. He doesn't. I've been told that. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Master's Commission was one of those ministries that was birthed uh, out of a time of really expanding the vision of the body. And um, the Master's Commission rose to the top of that that pile. And this church began, and its leaders began to invest in starting a master's commission, and we began to connect with students literally around the country. And Tara was one of those students uh, in that early class, and she just came in and, and just started getting a hold of Jesus. Great. Now, Tara, come here. Where are you? So you're no longer Tara Maloney. I'm not. You are. You're, you're, you're Tara Mitchell. Charlie, come on over here. Give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has proof now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, um, you're part of Master's Commission, and then you guys met where? In the hospitality room. In the hospitality room at a young adults thing? Yes. Yep, yep, okay. And then Charlie, I'm going to just really move this really fast. So you started getting this heart later on for, for men coming to Jesus and knowing Jesus, and so you guys gathered together in the chapel and just would... would would pray with you. And, and there's this guy kind of sitting off to the side who's just trying to figure out what you guys are doing. Anthony, come over here. Where are you? So Anthony is listening. Anthony, when you're in there, what, what happened? And, and you got a, a great story, but we're going to have to make it pretty, pretty concise. So what were, what were you dealing with at the moment as you're listening to these guys talk about Jesus and right relationships? And you had an ending that wasn't very good at that moment. And God changed the ending. Here, hold this mic and, and just tell us. Well, I was dealing with alcohol. Um, I, at that time, I, I, it was ruining my life. Everything revolved around alcohol. Uh, as I began to hang around the men's group, I recognized men that, that knew Christ. And as I listened to sermons here, I decided that something needed to change. Um, today, I'm four years sober. <laughs> So, so part of this also had to deal with struggles at home, and you had a daughter that had issues. Yes. And tell us quickly what, what you can about that and then what she's doing now. Well, for um, 18 years of her life, she dealt with me as an alcoholic. Um, when she was 14, she had a, a son, uh, so she, and now she actually has three children, um, and I'm a proud grandparent. Uh, none of the grandchildren have seen me, the alcoholic me. Uh, what my daughter is doing now um, is that she's attending Liberty University and her focus is on drug and alcohol counseling. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
Okay, so, so Tara, so, so Tara, obviously you're on staff here now, and you have two kids who are amazing and hyper, and, and again, this, I want to just want you to see this, starting over with Kevin, and the connecting, and the loving, and, and, and now we're down to you, and, and now you're connected with a lady named Heather, and you've been walking her through a different ending than they told her she was going to have. What was that? Um, in the middle of September, I sat at lunch with my sweet friend, Heather. Oh, and she's a, she was 20 weeks pregnant at the time. And she had just come out of a doctor's appointment, several doctor's appointments, where they all told her, Heather, we're sorry, to her and her husband, Mike. Um, they said, we're sorry. You have a, there's a three to five chance, percent chance that um, your son will live. And they recommended termination or just to let nature take its course. And... They said, no, um, we serve a God that can do the impossible. So they, they waited, and they cried out to God, and they prayed, and we prayed, and the staff prayed, and the church prayed, and the intercessors prayed, and their families prayed, and the odds were horrible in their favor. And God continued uh, her statement. She always said to me, he's up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. Even when the doctors would look at them and continuously just say, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. Um, she had, at one point, she had a, a rare disorder where her body didn't make amniotic fluid. So at one point, she had zero amniotic fluid, which in the world of a growing baby, that's not a good thing. Um, so we prayed, and um, God took her fluid from literally zero to normal. And um, the diagnosis, what they were expecting to be happening to the baby, just they kept monitoring where she then went into the hospital. She was in the hospital for a full month. And I'm so excited to tell you that on Monday, Joshua was born. Um, there he is. That's with his daddy, Mike. He was born 10 weeks early. So he's, he was born one pound, 11 ounces. But he came out breathing on his own. He's healthy other than being small. He's eating. He's doing other bodily things that they just, they're all amazed. The doctors and nurses look at them and don't know what to say. And Heather and Mike say, we know. We know because we serve a God who can defy the odds. We serve a God who, when the doctor tells us no, God tells us yes. So thank you for your prayers. They work. So Joel and Nicole, you, you, you guys came here to do Chi Alpha, college campus ministry. And again, it's the connection. And, and then Becca, where, Becca, come over here. So Becca, you're, you come up with her. So you're, you're, these guys who've gone on the, the college campus of Edinburgh have affected your life, right relationships, new ending for you, what changed in your life? Uh, literally, uh, in short, everything. Um, Kaiafa literally changed the trajectory of, of my life. I never considered being in full-time ministry before. I always grew up in the church, but that was never an option really for me. Uh, so Kaiafa really cultivated and planted that. And uh, now I'm in full-time ministry, getting to lead other uh, young girls and students along in their relationship with the Lord and kind of changing their path as well. Thank you. That is so great. 
so how many years ago did you guys head straight to Edinburgh campus? When you, five years ago. Five years ago, they came and said, we've been doing the thing over at the Summit Building. We feel like we're and, and, and hitting a, a bunch of campuses, but we feel like God's sending us to Edinburgh campus. So they went there, leaving some young adults still here at this building. We said, what are we going to do? We said, we still need a young adults ministry. And so there is this young couple, and you know who they are. They, they were just... They, they were just ready to be able to be put in that place. And so, so Danielle and Adam, you guys, come on up here. So you guys then, then started working with young adults. I just want you to tell us what kind of people you're reaching, how many churches are involved, what, a powerful impact, and then we're going to ha have Shrek. Come on up, Shrek. Talk about what the impact it's making on him. Uh, well, over the past four and a half years, we've seen hundreds of 18 to 35-ish-year-olds walk through the summit, um, heroin addicts, prostitutes, um, young, uh, young women on the verge of wanting to abort their babies. And these women and these young adults walk through the doors and change their lives and give their lives to God. Um, we have over 35 plus young adults from uh, 35 plus churches represented through the young adults that are there. And the idea is, is that these young adults come in through the doors. Some of them grew up in church, but just lost, find their way back to God. And then um, the idea is, is we watch God launch them as leaders back into the community and church. Shrek, how does God change the ending for you? Yeah, there's no way. They told me to have everything summed up to like two or three sentences, and there's no way I could ever do that. But um, long story short, uh, when I came to this church, I've been coming and missing, you know, not coming very often. And it really all started uh, on a random day. I showed up for baptism, uh, and I came up and got baptized. And uh, I met the Franos on that day. And what I really needed was community. And that's what's been so great about this church is because that's what we really specialize in. And uh, just in that one day, um, I had made a whole new family. <laughs> um, yeah, here I go, getting all emotional. Um, but yeah, I made all new friends. And just about um, everything I have in my life right now is out of EYA, and uh, even my wife, uh, Alicia, I met through EYA, so. We are your full service <laughs> ministry. They do it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, bud. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to wrap this up a little bit. First of all, through all of this process, through you, through, through you believing that endings can be changed, we changed his ending. Because Adam, you know the story, diagnosed, full of cancer, you're down to just, just down to what? Months to live. You were down a months to live. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, um, oh, 95 percent of my cancer is completely gone. I'm down to this little button size of, of cancer. That's all that's left. But I'm almost 95 percent healthier and uh, back to work and everything. Great. It's a miracle. Thank you. In this process of of loving each other and and right relationships and endings changing. God take these, took those two who, before they came to Jesus, doing drugs, selling drugs, being arrested, just a, a really big mess. God changes them, changes their ending. They come to this church, and you have helped shape them and form them. In Danielle, there comes this, this passion to shepherd people, to love people, and, and so deeply that 
that she has studied so that she can become a better shepherd, a better pastor to people. The Assemblies of God, which is our fellowship, recognized that. She did study. She went to interview, and they have recognized her as one who God has called with a special calling of being a shepherd. And this morning, I have the privilege of leading her now through those vows that she will make to say that she will be the shepherd and, and to declare that she is now a certified minister that then recognized by elders. And so, Danielle, come stand by us. As you stand before this community of faith and your Lord, please declare your vows. Do you solemnly commit yourself to the work of ministry? To live as a woman called by God to lead people into a vital relationship with Jesus? Will you champion the name of the Lord before the world, living a life that is worthy of your high and holy calling? And will you love and defend God's people so as to bring unity and blessings, giving special regard to holding your colleagues in high esteem? And will you give yourself to prayer, the study of the scriptures, and the preaching of God's word? If so, please respond, yes, with God's help, I will. Yes, with God's help, I will. It's my pleasure to present to you your certificate of ministry. And it's my privilege to present to you Pastor Danielle. Thank you for being patient through this. I'm, I'm just about done. You know, I never have used the word in conclusion in my sermons because, you know, you still can't put your shoes on if I say that. <laughs> I just want to tell you this. How do you grow a church? We've got to stop thinking it's a Sunday service perfectly designed to meet your needs. It is not. It is a messy community willing to battle it out so that we stay in unity. Forgiving painful moments, having mercy on the mess-ups, giving grace to the imperfect, staying rooted in community instead of running to the comfortable. Because we can't build strong families if we aren't willing to battle for right relationships. So as Pam and I leave town this week, we're not leaving you because wherever we land and however we minister, it will be because you are also landing there and you are also ministering because we are now a mosaic of you, of your words, your laughter, your pain, your wisdom, your songs, your teaching, your smiles your prayers, your patience, your correction, your grace, and your mercy. Pam, you haven't said anything yet. <laughs> you bought this new coat, you might as well speak. <laughs> shopping in Erie. <laughs> oh, wow. When we first came here, I, I was 
also handed the mic and said, speak. And I was so nervous. The only thing I could think of was to tell you how much I love Jesus. And I still do, and even more so. And my prayer for you all is that you will grow more deeply in love with Jesus. Cling to him. And then together, we want to say. Simply this. May May the the grace grace of the Lord Lord Jesus be with with you. you. We love you.